This is WCNY's The Capitol Press Room, and we're joined in the studio by Daniel Teets, the outgoing commissioner for the State Office of Temporary and Disability Assistance. And on our exit interview, we're going to talk about the state's response to an influx in asylum seekers, the road to combating child poverty, and his reflections on life in the Hochul administration. Thanks for joining us in person, Commissioner. Sure, it's strange to hear outgoing because I feel like I was just incoming. I probably shouldn't say that. Why? Because it, it was a relatively brief tenure, I guess. Do you regret that? No, no, not at all. Why not? I mean, have you ha not had fun? We do want to. <laughs> you don't want to keep doing it. <laughs> I don't know that fun was the purpose at the outset. Actually, it was to make a difference for low-income New Yorkers. And I think I've been able to make a difference uh, for low-income New Yorkers, and I'm going to let you ask the questions from there. Okay. Well, we'll get to that t at the latter half of the interview, but let's start with what I initially put in a request for when uh, I, I asked to have you on the show a, a day before you do it, uh, announce your uh, plans to leave, and that has to do with uh, the state's response to the influx of asylum seekers. And uh, the state budget approved in May of this year included about a billion dollars in additional funds to respond to uh, the tens of thousands of asylum seekers uh, in New York. What is, or I guess has been, your office's role in doling out this money? The budget required a plan agreed by the city and state, principally OTDA, on the use of those funds. About approximately 80% of that money is going to flow through OTDA. The vast majority of it for sheltering and sheltering-related services. Uh, and so that plan has now been finalized and we're getting real close to making uh, an initial payment to the city. So in the administration prior to yours, the state had to set up a rent relief program uh, on the fly and dole out a lot of money, and it didn't go super well uh, by a lot of metrics. Do you feel like this money is going to go out the door and be spent in an efficient and comprehensive way? I'm going to disagree with the premise of your question, okay. <laughs> um, which is actually I think not just we think that ERAP went well, but also the federal government thinks ERAP went well. So if you look at the number of households touched by that and the amount of money, now more than $3 billion we've gotten out the door, I would tell you that the Treasury thinks that ours is among the best programs in the country. As initially set up? And initially well, set look, up and initially administered? All I would say about that is that it was a giant task that needed to get done very fast. Oh. And for sure, and not just in New York, but all across the country, every state, every jurisdiction that was getting that money <laughs> was looking mostly to the same crowd of vendors to do a thing. So I wasn't here then. All I'm going to note, it was a giant task that took a lot of life out of <laughs> some people at my agency to get it rolling. And I'd say at this point, we're actually pretty pleased with the way that's worked out. Okay, then going back to the initial question then, do you feel confident yes. about the ability to dole out this money now? And if so, why? The budget required OTDA and DOB to essentially sign off on, on how that money was going to be spent. And it's largely modeled on what we already do with regard to the state's share of covering shelter costs in New York City. So it's, it's, it fits within that theme. And so I'm quite calm. It's very straightforward for us. The payments are going to happen through... In fact, OTDA to New York City DSS. Um, and the kinds of documentation we'd expect from them are very similar to what they already know on the sheltering side. So, um, no, I'm pretty confident that that's going to go smoothly. Are, are there any other services that uh, <coughs> asylum seekers might receive that 
Otada will be helping to deliver because there are you know a wide range of services that Otada is responsible for low-income New Yorkers. So I'm curious if any of those will translate into what asylum seekers are receiving as well. Right. So to the degree that folks are public assistance eligible under the existing rules, they would get that. So mm -hmm. they would get the same. Is anybody else who's public assistance eligible? Is there overlap for undocumented New Yorkers uh, or, asylum seekers or, or asylum seekers? Yeah. So th th almost all are documented in some way, shape, or form. Some of the statuses in which they've been permitted to enter the country by um, the federal government would entitle them to, for example, safety net assistance mm -hmm. from us. Um, uh, many of them wouldn't, so that their statuses wouldn't entitle them to that. But the sheltering and services, again, is something very familiar to us, and, and what the budget contemplates paying for is something akin to what we already do with the city and the, and the city's Department of Homeless Services. Um, beyond that, <coughs> the money that's in the budget includes $25 million for um, relocating permanently, and so that is a task that's largely driven by us, by OTDA and our vendors, in cooperation with some vendors um, identified by the city um, to figure out which families wish to relocate and helping them to do that. When it comes to relocation, how much of that project is contingent on finding partners around the state who want to have people relocating to their community? Because <coughs> what we've seen in response to the effort by New York City officials to house even temporarily some of their asylum seekers outside of New York City, there's been this significant backlash. So are, are you bracing for any sort of challenge when it comes to relocation? We're starting with the places where there's well-established immigration-related yep. services and vendors. So OTDA has long had, for example, the Office of Refugee Resettlement, you know, the federal government's money and resources to resettle refugees. So, for example, in the last handful of years, have resettled thousands of Afghans and Ukrainians. Some of those same orgs are contracting with us to do this relocation of asylum seekers. So we're working with sort of known quantities and organizations and communities that already have established systems and services for migrants. Um, so I'm actually not too concerned. For listeners just joining us, we're speaking with Daniel Tietz, the outgoing commissioner for the State Office of Temporary and Disability Assistance. When it comes to the shelter money and how far it can go, do you see the investment in this year's budget, for example, lasting throughout the entire fiscal year, which ends March 31st of 2024? Or, or is it possible that we're going to burn through this investment prior to that? A little too soon to tell. How come? Um, well, because I don't know the flow. We're essentially providing the state's share of public assistance, which is approximately 29% of the cost. We'll see how we do on this. And that 29%, is that something that's based on statute, or is that just the policy that the state has it's sort of adopted? It's existing policy, yeah. It's e well, it's in statute because it's in the budget. So theoretically, the state mm -hmm. could say, we'd like to take on a higher percentage in, in the future? Come on, you're on your way out. You could say it. <laughs> I, I think I'm not going to commit any, 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 any of my successors or, or others in state government uh, to what ought to happen next, and I think we're, we'll, see, we'll see how this goes. Well, I want to talk to you now in your capacity as a co-chair of the Child Poverty Reduction Advisory Council, which I sometimes call a task force, erroneously, uh, which is tasked with coming up with a plan to cut poverty in half over the next decade. What recommendations would you like to see the council come out with this fall 
that the governor could implement or s propose in her executive budget next year? Yeah, I mean, I would say, look, I think you've paid some attention to the proceedings, so you've probably heard me make other statements on this score, and it's really up to the council. It's up to the 17 members to figure out, um, based on the evidence, what ought to be recommended here. So I think there are some fairly obvious places, um, not least tax credits and some housing-related assistance. <coughs> if you look at what's worked elsewhere, um, those are the obvious places. But I couldn't say today what ought be the mix. I mean, we've contracted with the Urban Institute in Washington, D.C., which is a recognized expert on modeling. And so I think we're going to, you know, based on that New York-specific data that they've been given, and then they're going to model, and the council will take a vote and have a discussion around, well, which bits and pieces and how much of this or that um, would make the greatest impact to address the child poverty rate in New York. So mentioning tax credits, the <coughs> refrain that you've had in your two past appearances with us is that it's difficult to imagine that we could reach a 50% reduction in New York without implementing some kind of tax credit. You wrote that down, didn't you? I, I did, because um. you said it to me twice now. <laughs> I think this was a third time in that sort of basic uh, gist of it, with the caveat that you are not representative of the entire council, that you are the, the co-chair currently, or one member, are there specific tax credits that you think, based on your experience, would be particularly beneficial in combating poverty? I think what we have, um, certainly from the great national experiment from 2021, I guess it was, where you had essentially six months of a child tax credit, I think that kind of evidence, that kind of data, is going to be part of this discussion. So I think when the Urban Institute comes with modeling and a back and forth with the council about what the council wants to see in terms of modeling, I'd be very surprised if that wasn't informative in some important way. Are you a believer in the benefits of direct cash transfers more broadly? Well, that's essentially what we're talking about here, right? Th yeah, th but what about... a version of that. I mean, that's essentially how the federal government did it was a version of a direct cash transfer. Yeah, but I'm saying maybe without uh, income criteria or with uh, maybe not even just limiting it for kids and families, uh, making something more broad than that? Look, I, um, I'm going to repeat myself here, um, <laughs> which is this isn't for me alone to decide. And I think what we really want is to make the best use of available resources, of available tax dollars, and that should be based on evidence. Uh, and so that's what Urban Institute is there to help the council with. The council, not just me or the other co-chair, but rather the entirety of the council to present here. Here's the evidence about what's worked elsewhere. Here's our modeling that suggests what would have the greatest impact. And then among those, make choices about uh, how, how best to use the available tax resources. And in terms of realizing the council's goal of creating a roadmap to reduce child poverty by half over the next decade, when do we need to see significant action from state policymakers? What is the timeline where actions need to be taken in order to hit that end goal? The Urban Institute would tell us that what the what Congress and the Biden administration did in that six months reduced um, child poverty in the country by approximately 40%. Done. Mm -hmm. So 
So, so we could theoretically wait till a year before the deadline. And we're I'm not suggesting that we should have anybody wait to, to have some alleviation from their poverty. But all I'm noting is... The change can happen quickly. That you, could, you could do a whole variety of things here. And so there are some choices to be made. And the scale and, and timeline for that is going to be up to the council based on the evidence they get. And after a quick break, we'll have more with Daniel Teets, the outgoing commissioner for the State Office of Temporary and Disability Assistance. Support for the Capitol Press Room provided by the New York State AFL-CIO, a federation of 3,000 unions fighting for working people by keeping New York State union strong. Visit unionstrongny.org for more information. For listeners just joining us, we're speaking with Daniel Teets, the outgoing commissioner for the State Office of Temporary and Disability Assistance, who serves as the co-chair of the state's Child Poverty Reduction Advisory Council, which is tasked with coming up with a plan to cut child poverty in half over the next decade. Based on your experience now in state government, as well as someone who's you know, pushed for change in government from the outside, how confident are you that state policymakers are, are willing to make the major investments that it would likely require to combat child poverty, to, to really shake up the status quo? Well, I'll tell you this. I mean, this governor signed, signed that statute into law in December of 21, so just before I came on board, and then, and then she willingly had me. So um, I think that the governor is invested in making a difference here. And besides your appointment, what else would you point to that would indicate her commitment to this because on the other side of the coin advocates would say you know they've had chances to make really major monumental investments in things like child care and tax credits and well they the made them they made them in child care billions of dollars of in federal money not necessarily state money yeah, they've, yeah, they've but, taken but money from dc and spending it it's not like they've made hard choices in terms of what we have to spend at the them. state level but, but those got done and but and then it, and wh- you why, look at why is that a hard choice though let, okay. let, and then the housing compact which would have a huge impact on a whole lot of households that are low income um all the work that we do at for example hhap the o- otda's housing assistance program, for homeless housing assistance program, all of those investments on low-income housing, supportive housing. Um, you look at what we've done in terms of public assistance and, and um, uh, the benefits cliff, what we are doing um, with regard to, to folks coming out of educational programs, uh, ignoring income to improve their circumstance. You look at the minimum wage change. There's a bunch of things here that will have an impact. And so that's part of what we have contracted with Urban Institute for, which is to look at the whole of the budget and figure out what's making a difference, what more needs to be done. You brought up the issue of housing. You mentioned the housing compact. One of the major ways that the state can directly impact people's ability to afford housing is the shelter allowance. It's my understanding, though, that those rates haven't really been changed in a meaningful way in 20 years uh, now, What's your understanding of why that money and that formula hasn't been tweaked? Because right now people argue that it, it doesn't pay for a significant uh, amount of people's housing. Yeah, I expect that to be part of the conversation with CPRAC is, mm-hmm. the, again, the whole picture. So looking at, again, that if you look elsewhere, the evidence from elsewhere, without necessarily prejudging what may happen in New York, um, the two biggest things were child tax credits and housing supports. Uh, in terms of getting to the number. 
So I would expect that that conversation about what, wh where are our best investments to be made in housing, and it's c entirely conceivable that the shelter allowance is one of those. Is there an opportunity to tweak the shelter allowance formula right now? Well, it has a budget impact, so I wouldn't say right now, um, since we're the budget got done. Uh, I saw stuff that it's like reviewed every five years or, or something. Has that most recent review al already been completed, or is there one coming up? We have comments in for that most recent review. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know offhand the status of, of any reporting on that. Are you anticipating then any significant change in that prior to the governor's uh, upcoming budget? Well, you know, we've just started down the road of um, preparing for the state of the state in the next budget. So I uh, think. It already starts in it early starts July? In, it starts in summer. Wow. Yeah. So that process with the agencies starts now. Um, and I don't want to prejudge where my successor may take that. So, yeah. For listeners just joining us, we're speaking with Daniel Teets, the outgoing commissioner for the State Office of Temporary and Disability Assistance. Well, you mentioned successor, and I'm curious, how would you like to be remembered in terms of your time as commissioner here? Should I be remembered? Is that a thing? I don't know. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know that I have an answer to that. Um, no? No. There, so there's nothing when you think about your 18 months here that you're particularly proud about, whether it's mm. because you got a chance to do something or you got a chance to put your Listen, stamp on something? I don't think that that's so much about me. Listen, I think it's about, it's about the governor first and foremost and her commitment to addressing poverty among New Yorkers. Um, it's, you know, there's... You know, what did Hillary say? It takes a community, and I don't think it's just raising children. It takes everybody, right? It takes the Senate Majority Leader, the Speaker. It takes the wonderful people who work at OTDA. Um, it's the folks in the local districts who work hard every day to make a difference. So, yeah, I mean, uh, did I have some policy ideas and what have you? Sure, but I think it's all, I think it's, it's, it's everyone coming together to figure out what can work here um, that really matters. Do you feel like you left any unique stamp on the office during your time here? You really don't want to get off this, do you? No, I'm, I'm curious, <laughs> you know, what, what, what was the, how would the tenure of Daniel Teets potentially be different from generic commissioner XYZ? Um, look, I think if anything, and then we're going to let this go, right? Um, sure. If, if anything... Um, if your spokesman comes over and attacks me, maybe we can make that happen. <laughs> Um, the, wh what I'd hoped was maybe just a tonal difference. Um, and, uh, and I think, again, even before I started, the governor signed the bill to create CPRAC, which I think already suggested where she wanted to go here. And, and my hire is just a sort of part of that package, if you will, um, which is just thinking differently than her predecessor or predecessors about um, poverty and what we need to do to help New York's children in need, so I think um, I think it was an opportunity created to make a difference, and you know we've we've done a handful of things I think I'm quite proud of. You know, CPRAC getting rolling, um, notwithstanding your earlier comments, the ERAP um, having worked out as it's worked out. Um, uh, you know, the changes we've made in public assistance and giving people a longer runway and doing something about the benefits cliff and what have you. So I think, you know, what we did on SNAP. Um, and public assistance and, 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 you know, the fraud and the skimming on that. I think there's a bunch of things we've done um, that sort of are heading in the right direction under the governor's leadership, and I think we can all be proud of that. Does the process and the work 
from the inside ever become overwhelming or, or frustrating because like take something like snap you know we still have david i'm never frustrated you know, you never never at the end of the day over I'm joking uh, okay okay so i'm <laughs> curious you know uh, is that make the job more difficult to even want to tackle or, or is that or is that what drives you to some degree because some of these challenges are so persistent like when it comes to you mentioned snap when it comes to hunger i mean that's mm -hmm. something that seems shows no signs of dissipating But you can also disagree with me on that. <laughs> Look, um, I would say that, um, yes, there's frustrations. I mean, you know, welcome to adult life. I mean, right? Welcome to an adult job. But, um, I mean, I don't know. You, any frustrations with your adult job? Um, uh, definitely. Yeah. So, so there's that. But I think you can use that to motivate, you know, like, so... How else to get at something? So, if, you know, if, the, if, if my a certain approach here isn't working, what else can we do to get something done? Or, you know, what, what else could we do? All right, so that thing is dead over there, but I got a thing over here. Um, I think my colleagues and both, uh, you know, next to, maybe below me <laughs> at the agency, as well as the folks above me, um, recognize I'm a little pushy. So, um, so I'm just being a good New Yorker, trying to do a job, a little pushy. Well, we've been speaking with Daniel Teets, the outgoing commissioner for the State Office of Temporary and Disability Assistance, whose last day in the Hochul administration is July 25th. Commissioner, thank you so much for your candor and your time. Great. Thank you so much, David. Support for Capital Press Room provided by the William G. Pomeroy Foundation. Communities across the Empire State have stories to tell. A roadside marker funded by the William G. Pomeroy Foundation can help your town or city educate the public, encourage pride of place, and promote local tourism. More about the Pomeroy Foundation's New York State Historic Marker Grant Program for 501c3 organizations, nonprofit academic institutions, and local state and federal government entities at wgpfoundation.org.